3: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. Money back as a free bet on any championship match on live TV. If you're losing first goal scorer, bet gets a goal.
4: I'm not finished yet,
5: it took me a long time
6: to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other, and they regret what happened, they've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're, both of them are keen to, to you now focus on getting back to their county jerseys.
4: But these fellas will get such a f-ing shit
7: shock next Saturday evening, that we would put them back in their f-ing houses for 10 years.
8: Welcome along to the best of the GER live shows during the summer. So we've had a great summer of live shows. We did six in total, three hurling, three football. We've been to Roscommon, we've been to Thurles, we've been to Wexford, we've been to Westport, we've been to Dublin twice, which isn't very far, it's just off no. the road in Liberty Hall. Uh, Connor is here um, to run through them. Any standout live show for you, Connor? Well, I, I have
9: to say the one from Westport, really of course. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you go to Mayo, it's a good show. But in fairness, it did happen to be a particularly good show that night as well. Uh, Tony McEntee, I remember being particularly good on um, some of the dirty tricks, let's say, that uh, Emma Fitzmaurice would have accused Mayo of over the years. So yeah, that's I coming we're gonna up. Talk about that. So that's definitely coming up.
8: Yeah. So, like, I mean, Westport was probably our biggest crowd outside of Dublin. Like, I mean, it could have been our biggest crowd full stop. It was just completely packed out. Wexford uh crowd was massive as well the venue was smaller and a lot of people didn't get tickets Turles, a little bit disappointing uh, I think a Munster final for people in Turles is like who Way to the shit? Old Ireland <laughs> <laughs> like they're like I mean that's that's just reality and Roscommon was very good as well no Ulster live show The people will be wondering but we did one there last year and as it turns out the the Connacht final was a little bit uh more um, appealing after mm. Roscommon beat Mayo, so that was kind of the, the reasoning behind that. We're going to start off in Roscommon because that was our first uh, show. That doesn't mean we're going in chronological chronological order or anything. So it was ahead of the Connacht final. Roscommon were just off a brilliant win over Mayo, and they were playing Dublin. We spoke to Frankie Dolan, who was on the on the panel, and he filled us in on a very controversial incident. I'm sure you all remember, it was back in 2002 in a Derry hotel.
1: Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> I suppose, a long story short, no one's ever asked me this, really. bar, bar one report before a game I walked out interviewed, interview, so <laughs> you have some balls on you. <laughs> some balls on you. I give you that. I eased you into it well, right? <laughs> At the end of the day, it was p- harmless to us, but long story short, I suppose, I um, went up to play Donegal a couple of weeks before we played Galway down in Salt Hill. I think it was a Salt Hill, or in High Park in the Championship. and uh, So it was, I think it was three weeks out, so Toby was over, so we went up anyways. And... Um, we're showered after and we're sitting down for the chat the you know, normal chat after a game and Toby goes lads we're staying in Derry on the way home we're like Jesus Christ why are we staying in Derry like we're in our common gear you know we've no money like Euros, Sterling or whatever it was back yeah. then and it was 17 years ago so we're like right okay so we got to Derry anyways and um, I think I think Nigel Dineen brought in the skinny jeans that night because <laughs> he was in his tracks with Bottoms and just says lads will someone give me a pair of jeans I'm not going out in Derry Derry is a real good city for the style and the whole lot you know he came, down, he came down to the bar that night and the jeans were hanging off the bottom of his arse, you know. And I said, Nigel, no, you can't wear those. So he goes, I'm wearing these. out. He said, these are really cool. They were David Casey's jeans, actually. <laughs> David Casey was probably 28 ways. Nigel probably a 36. <laughs> but anyways, um, without that night, we had a great night. And the whole lot. Went back. went back to the hotel and, um, it was like a private area. It was like, a, there was a pool table there, obviously. And, uh, <laughs> we, were, <laughs> we were residents of the hotel, so, like, there was no one in the bar, bar the barman. man. And, uh, so we went into the, the back room and we were playing away. There was, I won't say who was there. They got enough money out with already. i mean, so I'm not going <laughs> to give them any more mention, but, um, so we, we had a bit of crack, and we said, "Sure, lads, we'll play. We'll toss a coin. Whoever loses can take their clothes off and play the game of pool." You know. So, needless to say, myself and Nigel lost the lost the toss but no one ever talked about we bet the two boys in the game of pool. <laughs> <laughs> and Jerry that that Lohan win the was shark. overshadowed, really. By yeah, it was overshadowed. Jerry Lohan was a shark of pool and still is and Francie, you know how competitive he is. So you but took off your it. clothes,
8: yourself and Nigel, and you played against two lads who had their clothes on. Mm. Right. This this is just drunken crack, right? Seemed like, <laughs> yeah. seemed like a good idea at the time. So when did you yeah. know then after this? So you just went to bed, whatever, a few of you pissed in the bed or whatever happened. Um. <laughs>
10: that was probably kicked who was on <laughs>
8: He okay, it. yeah, we all went to bed, kicked, yeah. pissed in the bed, you know, whatever <laughs> happened. And then, when did you know that the shit was going to hit the fan?
1: Oh, before breakfast. Really? The next yeah. morning? Yeah, the next morning, yeah. Uh, the chairman at the time, he he got word from, oh, I was a lovely hotel, we were saying, <laughs> in fairness like, you know. If, they, if if they made a phone call to anybody up the north, they said, do not stay in that hotel, whatever you do. But anyway, so, the thing happened anyways, and it says it's going to the newspaper, and whoever had the, the CCTV wanted to make make a few pounds, you know? Yeah. And we were like, well, to be honest, I didn't really give a shit, to be honest, you know, because <laughs> I'm sort of thick skin enough, you know, so we got on with it anyways. And I'll never forget, um, about two weeks out before we played these boys in the hide, I was staying in a buddy uh, in a friend of mine's house, and he he ran a petzler Station, and there was a, you know, convenience store and all whole lot. And uh, we we were staying in his house, and he was having a cup of tea that morning. And He goes, That's not too bad, Frankie. I said, Thank God. He says, It's only the first three pages of (laughs) it. I said, Jesus Christ, Charlie, you're not. I said, Give me that paper. So I sat down, and he and I was looking, Oh, Jesus Christ, it's mid enough. And next thing I turned the paper, oh, another two pages. I was like, sure, you, you missed the last two pages. That's where the cops were brought in.
8: So there was, there was the first five pages of a Sunday paper was dedicated to this. Because I remember bad, going really. on we, very, very well at the time. Not bad. Joe, <laughs> ja, were you looking at this going here? This is uh, what's going on here.
2: Absolutely. It was hilarious, really, to be
0: honest.
11: <laughs> <laughs> but, I uh, oh God, it's funny looking back, right? Yeah. But for the grace of God, I you, never
1: forget, Wooly. We were going, uh, we were playing, we were playing golf at that the end of Hyde, and I was, so I got the operation on my shoulder the the year before <coughs> we were playing the boys in Salt Hill, and I was coming on with about fifteen, twenty minutes to go, and we got, a, we got, we, we, I was running onto the pitch towards the town end, and there was a good crowd in behind the terrace, you know, on the town end in High Park, and I was running on, and the next thing I heard this lad, he was giving it loads, you know, and he was wearing a golf jersey. <laughs> I say, cheers! This gonna be great when they get up here. There's a good crowd behind it. And he was roaring and roaring and roaring. Next thing, got him behind. He's roared out, "Ronnie O'Sullivan!" He goes. <laughs> I actually walked behind the umpire and said, "Shut your mouth!" He was a snooker player. Do
8: you remember this one going on, um, Connor? Well, indeed, I do. It doesn't, uh, <laughs> it doesn't take
9: long for stories to spread in the west of Ireland, worthy especially well, true, yeah. salacious ones like this. And, <laughs> any ammunition we can get about the neighbourhood. The veteran, the so yeah, geez, I remember well.
8: I thought it was a good one with Frankie at the end there, where the Galway fan was shouting down, Hey, O'Sullivan so-
9: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You did well to get him to explain it because uh, it, there's been a kind of uh, obviously his front, front page news of the time. An Omerta. Yeah, of course, but I hadn't actually heard it. Uh, I hadn't heard any talk about it in the time since, and I think. To be fair, you kinda of surprised Frankie, if you'd given them the cue that he was gonna talk about it during the show, you mightn't have got as much out of him. But uh, for like off the cuff he did well. Like he, he seemed to have a photographic memory of the incident in question, which uh I'm sure he wanted to remember some details more than others
8: I was talking to him it was funny and I was like I was raging I I searched all over the internet to find a picture that was in the paper that Sunday because I remember it uh, vividly he says you should have told me my mother has it up in a scrapbook (laughs) (laughs) I met his mother afterwards and she said oh well I have that somewhere Yeah, I'll get that for you now (laughs) Jesus good job for them WhatsApp wasn't around back in the day oh Jesus yeah for everybody for everyone in the world at our age so uh, right that was that one. And then we went to Turles, like I'm saying, and we talked to two members of the Boris Ali Five. So this was a bit of a salacious story coming out of Tipperary at the time. If anyone's not familiar, some of the football snobs might not have heard this, Conor, <laughs> and they have to listen to both um, today. So Tipperary went on the beer after playing a Munster Championship match against Cork and ended up going on the beer on the Monday. And five of them ended up on the beer in Boris Ali on Tuesday night and poor manager Babs Keating was prank phone called. Um, so as Captain Reds O'Grady was thrown off the panel afterwards, um, Shane McGrath was there too. Here's the two lads um, filling us in on this one.
5: Lost the match by... Lose
8: my Reds. Three, three points, sure. I think, yeah. Points, yeah.
5: Yeah, with a few chances. Even Demi Fitz, I remember, had a
8: couple of chances. He was up
5: in the forwards that day, you know. He was, he was getting a nosebleed up there. He didn't know what was going on. And... Uh, like then, this was afterwards. Then, sure, we we went for a couple of drinks and uh, we went home early on the Sunday night because uh, we had a recovery session on the Monday evening in the pool. So, um, just on the away to the pool. Then we we just we had a, had an ice cream and stuff on the way to the pool and and then after the pool, then we were feeling kind of energetic, so we said we might might go for another ice cream, kind of you know. <laughs> and uh, we had a good few ice creams anyway. And uh, here, Babs is gone now, so you yeah, don't need yeah. this code. So anyway, long story short, anyway. I was, we were in a pub in Llenolte on the Monday night, and uh, Ireland AM was coming on, so I said, well, maybe it's time to go home now, <laughs> if this is coming on, and uh, yeah, and I uh, didn't, sure, that carried into Tuesday, went for a few sociables, and uh, kind of the rest is history then, I suppose, the thing, that everyone has their own story of it, but, you uh, know, we we'll get yeah. together Reds anyway, right. that right <laughs> five,
8: five of you ended up in Boris Ali Reds around the Tuesday, right, yeah. so... It's not like you were hammered out the gate that you should be drowning in your sorrows. We all know the Monday club, the Tuesday a little bit unusual to be going again on the Tuesday, even especially at that time because things were changing a little bit. But you made an awful balls up by signing a hurl, I believe.
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah a young lad Sean Kenny came into the pub. He was only about eight years of age and says you signed the hurley. So we all signed the hurley. Five us. but he went down to the Bursley field in and who was training Bursley was Brian Murray, our physical coach, who was doing a one off session with Bursley. So. Talk about hanging yourself like <laughs> <laughs> So we were caught. So you
8: he thought you were safe as houses in yeah, Burseli. So yeah. you would be driving out there from terrorists thinking
6: there's a, yeah. there's
5: no way I'll be caught out there. Yeah. yeah. Drinking in like Tipperary is a huge place like so I said we go drinking in Borseli and no one will ever find out about this place, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so when did you know you were caught, Redzer?
6: Well, we went back to Mackey's pub on the Thursday night. Then the famous phone call was made. <laughs> the, the, or, oh, no, sorry, the Tuesday night. Sorry, the Tuesday, yes. Tuesday night. <laughs> we get two weeks <laughs> out of here. We never really went... Oh, Jesus, on the, the Thursday. On the, on, the no. ju- on the Tuesday night, so then Bebs and John Lahey and uh, John Coscombe were looking for our heads then on the Wednesday, so...
8: But this was on the Wednesday, yeah, right? So talk to us about this phone call then, because this is the one where the, that made the big kind of rumours and everything. Yeah. You, your phone... Babs was just talking there, there's people ringing him all year, and then your phone pops up, your number pops up, and he gets another one of these phone calls. I like, can imagine what he was thinking
6: well the phone call that was made for Mackey's that night wasn't my phone call oh, it wasn't your phone I never have credited my phone anyway so it definitely, <laughs> was my, it definitely wasn't my phone but it was a, a friend of mine Connor Bannon made the phone call and he he could be down there I don't know but he gave the bab a, a bit of abuse but sure it's only a prank but Babs took it a bit seriously right okay is, is bab has gone is he I, I'm not sure is he
8: down there as no <laughs> I think he's gone but like I mean abuse as in like I mean just light hearted stuff Lighthearted stuff yeah right and so then like I mean is that what sealed your fate then the f- prank phone call
6: well I was the captain they probably thought I was leading the lads astray I got a phone call on the Thursday night to come up to the Anna Hotel to have a meeting with uh, John Lai uh, Babs Keaton and John Coskind so going up I knew I wasn't going up to, to say I'm playing well or I'm doing a good captain so I thought I knew I was in trouble from going up along but I went in and I got attacked above in the room and told I'm no longer a temporary captain Right. So
8: who was doing... Was it the county board chairman doing most of the talking in there? Was, was it the county board chairman doing... The, the... John
6: Coscombe was there, John Lahey and Babs Keaton. Babs Keaton doesn't drink, John Coscombe doesn't drink and John is a reformed alcoholic so I was in trouble before I even went up there. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> A
11: kangaroo court,
6: huh? <laughs>
8: Poor Redzer got uh, completely thrown under a bus here, Connor. He actually has a member saying to me, jeez me, my child couldn't even go into school. They were asking yours. It, it, it's all fun and games and I've been thrown off panels. Uh, I didn't have children at the time. But imagine explaining to your child Absolutely, as a father yeah. will have been thrown off going on the beer and in uh, disciplinary problems you know and they're in yeah. school and you're trying to tell them to behave themselves it's just a bit of a weird one
9: and actually it was something um, Shane Curran mentioned after the Frankie Dolan story that you said earlier that it, like in, in fairness while made front page news and all this like the, the level of kind of uh, analysis and, and forensic analysis on the private lives of kind of GA players who are only amateurs at the end of the day yeah. and when you hear Reds
8: tell, tell a story like that it just kind of brings it home I think some of the football uh, trouble I've got in are being thrown off panels wouldn 't really cost me a thought too much because if i 'm getting in trouble i 'm not too wor- invested in it, or you know if you, mm. if, if you 're towing the line because you care you know or you're, 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 you, you believe in the manager, I was more kind of worried about my parents being incredibly that's embarrassed it 's it, yeah. national news and it 's not good national news you know, and your parents have to go into work and I always conscious of my poor father going into the county council on a Monday or on a Tuesday, <laughs> and some story after breaking about me like that 's what makes you feel bad yeah, the actual I- the actual getting thrown off yeah, I not it's, it's care. the
9: influence that it has on friends and family but it, it, it's funny that um, when you kind of brought up this story that you were going to be talking about I actually had to check the year because I, I, like, I don't mean to rat on Tipperary or anything like that but I think there's been a few high profile incidents <laughs> where, yeah. where they've gone on the beer the days after championship yeah. games and got caught I, out I
8: think there's a way of dealing with it though don't think this stuff doesn't happen but dropping your captain embarrasses it like I think a lot of counties just deal with this in-house and it doesn't ever get out this is a group of 30 young fellas now I know even in the era now of panels being incredibly disciplined these mistakes happen they're only human beings it's do you want to hang that person out to dry by making him a national scapegoat or do you want to say look well, you're going to train, the rest are training twice this week, you're going to run up a mountain the other three days, and I'm going to time you. And if you don't beat this time, and just literally punish them in a different way exactly, go up yeah. Crow Patrick in your bare feet. Yeah, and, and you know, it, but it's under the radar. Yeah, and you know? to be
9: seen to be punishing them as well in front of the panel, I exactly. think is important. It's funny um, when, when, when I saw this story as well, Michael Conroy told a good story there a few years ago. It was Hor- James Horan's first year, and they were after getting hammered by Donegal and League M, Bally Shannon. It's bank holiday weekend, so a few of the lads went on the beer on the Sunday. James Horn pulled him up in training on the Tuesday. He goes, Lads, I heard a few of you were on the beer. or any of you going to own up? And a few hands went up. Richie Feeney's hand went up and he goes, Yes, James, I was on the beer on Sunday and I was on the beer on Monday as well. And the rest <laughs> of the lads were saying, What are you doing? <laughs> he only knew about the Sunday. Why are you telling about the Monday? But that, only as you said, dealt with internally. That only got out six years later when McConwright gave Connery an interview. Like, exactly.
8: Yeah. Like, I mean, that's it. And Richie Feeney could have got the red card there and everybody would have known about it. No, I don't think any player needs that. You know, it's not fair. Um, Anyways, we'll move on because this is from our live show, our most recent one in Liberty Hall. Um, We're talking to Jack O'Shea. And just at the end of the conversation, I remembered uh, Jack O'Shea telling me before that he loved the game of pitch and putt. Um, the morning of All-Ireland so here he is telling us about that
7: every All-Ireland final I played and I played pitch and put in the <laughs> I, I totally so you couldn't sleep I, no I was I asleep I used, to, I used to actually be one of the last to go to bed I'd be one of the first up I'd have my breakfast I'd go down to Malahide play 18 holes of pitch and put I'd bring <laughs> five or six of the, the subs with me and uh, I'd come back I'd have a sandwich head into the, well, drive my own car into Crow Park up and watch the first half of the Ryan match and I come down to interesting. I love the whole setup. I love the whole thing. <laughs>
10: did, you have, yeah. did you have an old pipe of stout or anything else? <laughs> I,
7: come on, I'll put it like this to you, right? When you just put it into perspective, we were fortunate enough, right? On Sunday, 30 people will walk behind the entire our team Boys band. That is unique to be one of those 30. And that's the ambition of any young kid, any gaily footballer. Like, if Kerry players are down in Kerry, for the weekend, they have no chance of winning the All-Ireland. They're up in Dublin. They have a chance of winning the All-Ireland. That's where county players want to be. That's where every kid that plays Gaelic football wants to do. Walk behind that band. Be one of thirty to do that. That is unique, and yeah. that never leaves you. And that sensation never leaves you.
8: I love Jack O'Shea's um, attitude towards All-Ireland final day. Like, I mean, it just shows what a brilliant player he was and how relaxed he did look on the field and how much he enjoyed it. Like the pitch and put is one thing, but just not in that clip he's telling you about, well, I loved it, the parade. I just mm. just reminded himself how lucky he was to be there. And I suppose you remember Jack McCaffrey last week he was walking around in the parade with a big smile on. Yeah. That if you don't appreciate I presume and enjoy neither of us have been there <laughs> but enjoy and just appreciate the fact that you're there if you wrap yourself up in nerves now I know it's probably easier said than done and it comes down to the personality of the player and I presume the two Jacks would be laid back types of fellas anyways
9: Absolutely yeah but like it, it is it is so refreshing to hear people absolutely relish it because you do hear plenty about how nervous people get on the day and how they let the day pass them by so when you hear like one of the best players in the game say it like that it's just like yeah it brings it home about what a great occasion it is and there's a story told about Jack O'Shea as well that like he woke up the morning in one Ireland final, he opened the curtains he saw it was lovely weather he goes oh brilliant this will suit us down to the ground the next year he woke up the morning the all Ireland final opened the curtains pissing down rain he goes brilliant this is going to suit us Do you know that kind <laughs> of way so you can tell from that and from the pitch and foot story just how you know, he was completely relaxed in himself and kind of was always going yeah. to relish the day, you know.
8: That's sports psychology old school. But I have to say, Jack O'Shea, like you talk about all the brilliant midfielders, he was the, he was the daddy of them all oh, really, the Don, wasn't he? Yeah. He, he oh, was completely. the, but he was the fetcher and the box to box. He could do, he could do everything, you know, yeah. he's just going to, do, and he had marathon runner stamina.
9: Mm. You know what I mean? And was a, Perfect man, it'd like it remind me of Kieran McManus or even Kieran Whelan to arrive on like on a breaking ball and burst it to the net, too. Like, you know,
8: oh, yeah, like to hit them high, too, yeah. which is
9: not what you're meant to do. No, and that's it. And like, when you hear kind of uh, this is probably more prevalent in, in soccer when you hear uh, midfielders being broken down to, well, this fella's a defensive midfielder, this fella's a box to box, and this fella's an attacking midfielder, and people like Jack O'Shea is like, well, why did it have to be categorized? This
8: guy can do it all, you know. Yeah, no, well, that's true. And that well that's Johnny Giles type analysis, well, isn't uh, it? Yeah, <laughs> a, even <laughs> a Billy Bremner. Well, we, do, we, do, we just took <laughs> There's no <laughs> That's I do, true. I do true. kind of have See a point in that Why can't you just take turns And why does it have to be A set defensive And a set attacking That's predictable right Exactly yeah You want yeah. to be unpredictable 100% As Jack O'Shea was Yeah exactly Right that's it for part one We're going to play out part one With Tom Dempsey Who took to the stage And sang a fantastic version It's his version Of the purple and gold This is from her live show In Wexford So take it away Tom 2-2
12: <laughs> two, two. Ladies and gentlemen, he's a bit nervous,
10: so there's only one way to introduce this man. It's Tom Dempsey!
0: A father and son They stood hand in hand As they watched Wexford play From the back of the stand, And the words today Now on the Ireland Day, and the record stood proud. By God, could they play? today to the heroes of old are the purple and gold is a dream I stay.
8: Right, welcome back. So we're on to another live show in Liberty Hall hurling this time. And Tip and Kilkenny had such a brilliant rivalry in, from about '09 to about '15, where they just couldn't stop playing each other. And we got some of the biggest names from that time, Lark Corbett, Owen Larkin, JJ Delaney and Brian Gavin. And we focused on the first game which kicked off the rivalry, which was the 2009 game and that controversial refereeing uh, decision which awarded Kilkenny a penalty.
13: This is a very familiar situation. When you come to Dublin, it's surrounded by two Kilkenny fellas, and a referee is on their side. <laughs> now, hold on a sec now.
3: <laughs>
13: now, just hold on one second, and I'm going to explain why. So, we went on an all star trip to Argentina, Buenos Aires. Yeah. And we gave five days. And there was one pub in the whole town. Name of the pub, Declan Kenny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the name of the pub. No other pub in there. So all drinking. So we're out for the, every evening. Declan Kenny was the name of it. But you know what's very, very surprising? Is Brian was going to drink with the Kenny fellas every evening. <laughs> so I had to... because So this was all-star trips. So these referees, Kenny will in all Ireland. They're all going on their all-star trips. So this was a found out... This is a regular occurrence. The referee that's ref in the final is wrinkling with the Kenny fell. I say, we've no chance, because next year they're all in the same holiday again. <laughs> so lads, like, you work it out yourselves now. <laughs> Would you give up the
2: holiday? <laughs> He used to come on our team holidays as well. Not just yours. So,
13: so, it's all coming out now. Would you blow the whistle for the team you're going to
4: holiday with? And there was four the vodkas w- for a tenor as well. <laughs> Brian, you can get a chance to defend yourself here. I know, look, I was, I suppose, uh, lucky enough to be from Awfully, but a lot of Tipperary people... Uh, mixed me up with Dermot Kerwin because Dermot reffed the 9 final yeah. and because he was from Offaly and living in Cork I think a lot of Tipperary people felt I was the one to give the penalty in 9 and it wasn't me yeah. <laughs> so I just want to clear that now so. and in You're fairness in uh, in the ear. last All-Ireland <laughs> uh, Tipperary won I reffed it so I had to give them one back you know?
8: it's <laughs> funny actually Paddy Stapleton said on the show during the week he said all the other Leinster counties have Stockholm Syndrome with Kilkenny they hammer us so often we now love them yeah, yeah that's it yeah <laughs> But, OK, so we're going to talk through some of the big talking points from those rivalries, right? And now that you've all mentioned it, um, the 0-9 final, the huge talking point in that game was the penalty. So we have that here.
14: If he scores it. Well, the first foul happen- happened outside for sure. Here's coming for True now. Passed the ball, that a little bit early, I thought. There's power. He's held up there. Not a whole lot wrong with that. Hurling
4: over the neck. Oh, he just about made...
14: Okay, so we'll start. Me.
8: <laughs> we'll start with you, Brian. There is not in a million years of you given a penalty for that. No, you're not free
4: anyway. <laughs> 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 I, I suppose, look, the, the two things there obviously it was a penalty given and, and Dermot probably made a mistake but it was either a free out or a free in, the last thing it was, it was a penalty and it was a huge turning point and I think that's what really kick-started the massive rivalry that Tipperary people felt in 09 that were done over uh, in All-Ireland because I don't think Benny Dunn would have lashing out in a couple of minutes later so I think that's what really ignited uh, the great rivalry we saw in the coming years and after that but yeah. in fairness it wasn't a penalty but I thought Henry hit it very well Oh, Henry... Henry... Henry buried it. But, like, I don't know, like, JJ, what you think of
8: it? Like, I mean, jeez, Brendan Cummins ran out of the goals like he was going to kill Kerwin, you know? Like, it, it wasn't... Let, can you say now it wasn't a penalty? The,
6: and it, it wasn't a penalty, and that makes it even better.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
6: I've no problem saying that last time <laughs> It definitely wasn't a penalty. But we still won the game, so
2: it makes no difference. <laughs> it actually should have been a free out.
8: <laughs> <laughs> so like I mean Larry are you over that penalty decision because you did cry a little
13: bit about it is that fair to say tip cry. uncry you're down, <laughs> <only. Yeah. laughs> you not you have to take me by surprise here now JJ I didn't think now you'd go that deep <laughs> <laughs> I get my transport even in this hour. <laughs>
8: <laughs> so that's it like we know it wasn't a penalty it did change the game though Larry you lost your heads after that well the second goal went in very fast yeah it went after in very, that.
13: very very quick yeah um, yeah the two goals changed the game yeah we, we're like we're, Without a doubt. Like, you, sometimes you get those decisions, sometimes you don't. It's just that was at the stakes, or at the highest, was at the most important point in the game. So sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. But yeah, the answer is it changed the course of the game. Would we have, um, would we have won it? If you, like, you no, know, something else could have happened. But for a split second in that day, I remember the tip last we spoke about after, I think we thought that we had it and I just think the penalty was won and then Goethe's goal then really nailed in the coffin that was that was the end of it and you mentioned
8: Benny Dunn then uh, Brian he swung out which in fairness was out of character for him a little bit on but like I mean he pulled on Tommy Walsh and Tommy jumped back up straight away and I actually said to Tommy uh, recently I said she's fair play to you for standing back up that's honourable not wanting him to get sent off he says no
2: no I didn't want to let on a Tipperary lad hurt me <laughs> 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 that'd, be, that'd be typical out Tommy, be typical. You know, but Tommy he, he's, he's that type of lad as well that he wouldn't be trying to get a lad sent off he, he, you know he just jump up especially in an All-Ireland final but I think just on, on Larris they probably had the Tipperary probably thought they had, had the game won as well but PJ Ryan also had a brilliant day that day like Tipperary had three or four goal chances that you score every day, and PJ pulled saves out from nowhere, and that kept us in the match and it kept us in touch. Right. So you know, so when the when the when the penalty did go in, um, we were able to kick on then. Did you did you feel it was slipping away for you, JJ, around sixty minutes? that Yeah,
6: time? I, I did. To be honest with you, yeah. it it kinda, we it looked that We looked really right, in in the first sixty minutes, but then I think it was the second goal. Michael, we were getting a sideline. Michael Cavanagh was running out to the sideline, and he stayed and, and stopped, kept the ball in play, and hit it down the field. And we got a goal over. He could very easily let that ball over the line, and then then kind of make your own look there as well. Like you know, that, he got the ball up the field because you could see we were kind of getting on top in the last few minutes, and that got the second goal there as well. Like you know, but no, on, on pages is that day. I never, I seen him. I heard the same club. And he done that for us for years and years, but to do it on the biggest day of the calendar year is absolute phenomenal performance. Yeah, so.
8: yeah, and then poor Marty fell the brunt of of Brian's interview, or in the interview after Marty had the temerity to ask him about the penalty. And then that was the end of it, Owen. I don't know if you've seen that, that, uh, that interview.
2: I've seen the clip a couple of times, a good few times, actually, <laughs> in, in the days after yeah. after the <laughs> All-Ireland. Um, fair play to Marty, though, because he, he kept firing questions at me. If that was anybody else, they'd be like, oh, sorry, Rain, I'm out yeah. here. You know, it was, it was mental for him to even ask that question because he should have known Brain's what, what Brains actually would have been. He wasn't going to give up. Should no have way. known how
8: contrary he is. Yeah, right? yeah.
2: <laughs> we'll find out later on when Charlie comes out how, how contrary Brains is.
8: <laughs> I have to say, when I watched the, the All-Ireland between Tip and Kilkenny, And I saw the Hogan red card and then I saw Henry's reaction to it. And then in the days afterwards, I saw all the Kilkenny players come out defending Richie Hogan. It did throw my mind back. JJ won't mind me saying this to JJ (laughs) going, oh, it wasn't a penalty, but that made it even better. (laughs) Uh, Like thinking like the likes of Lar Corbett, who kind of got a little bit ratty about that statement, thinking imagine what Lara is thinking now watching the Kilkenny players kind of given out about a, a wrong referee oh, decision. Oh, absolutely!
9: And I was thinking there as well about uh, when you do a Liberty Hall show in ten years' time, Willie, that you are going to be bringing up the Richie Hogan red card again. <laughs> uh, but it was funny as well just to just to go back and when. Uh, Brian Gavin going on the, the all-star trip to Argentina with these lads. I, I didn't know the referee accompanying the, the all-star trip was a, was a thing that was done, but it sounded like yeah. great crack all you,
8: I'll tell you one of the greatest ones of this, right? So I was talking to Brian Gavin, myself, Brian Gavin, and The Rock went into Temple Bar for a couple of pints afterwards. <laughs> and I went... What oh, to be a fly in the wall there. Yeah. And I, I, we met, would you believe we met Jim Gavin? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> in Gogarty's pub. I swear I couldn't believe it. But anyways... Um, Brian Gavin was, was talking about it. He says, yeah, that, that's that, that, that's a good one from Larry. He says, you know the funny thing? Well, well I wasn't even on that trip. Larry got that. <laughs> Brian, Brian just, well, maybe I'm wrong. Brian, Brian just went along with it. No, I think a referee did go, okay. but he said it was another referee. It could right. have been, I don't know who he said, but Brian actually wasn't even on that trip. And it was great that he kept, ah, he, yeah, he kept yeah, going yeah. along with the the gag just because it was funny, you know. He could have ruined Larry there altogether. He could have, he could have completely <laughs> ruined it. So Owen Larkin was there um, at the end and he brought up Charlie Carter um, talking to Brian, about, about Brian Cody. And Charlie Carter obviously came up in panel two in the same uh, show in Liberty Hall. And since Owen brought it up, um, I suppose I had to ask him about Brian Cody dropping him in 2003.
11: He was moving you on, let's be honest. <laughs> he was, of course, yeah. yeah. Uh, he'd probably want DJ as captain as well, to say, it's called spade of spades. <laughs> and, and... Uh, <laughs> the, ten, <laughs> the ten points in the Monday night didn't help. No. And look, he, he, he obviously he lost faith in me, and uh, even though I was hurling well at the time, he, uh, he obviously, we played uh, Dublin in Nolan Park in, in June, and you know, I was captain the same day. It was the first uh, championship match in Nolan Park, and... Uh, he pawned five subs and uh, I wasn't obviously in these plans. And I had well in the league final. I came on the league final, yeah. did well. Yeah, was a lifted the Ten-goal ten thriller on the on Bank of the Monday in May. And we had a challenge match against Galway in between and it did reasonably well. So, look at it. I always said if I wasn't enjoying the seven miles in and the seven miles out, it was, it was always time to get out. So, look at I made my decision. I, I, obviously once you make a decision you have, to, you have to back it and look, life goes on uh, it was either me or Brian to go and Brian definitely wasn't
10: going
8: <laughs> <laughs> You'd be waiting a long time to say well, I'll wait till he goes and another lad will yeah, come in yeah,
11: yeah. <laughs> But look at it he has, he's, he has remained kind of distant from the players since uh, and even before that year but he, you know, that's the way he, he manages he, he does things his way and it's either his way or the highway and yeah. there's loads of kickeny players over the years that would have uh, felt hard done by and maybe just didn't come out in the same way I came out but uh, uh, and even some of the greats uh, you know but you have to look at it. I don't have to like him but I would admire him Jesus he, yeah. he's after bringing some of all all-earns kickeny living all earns you know since since he came in in 99 and yeah you know, he's 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 after doing a great job
8: all right so that's charlie there so like I mean I have to say I went to the All-Stars one year and it was 1998. I'd made the Compromise Rules Squad and nobody really would have known me. I'd played one year from Leash and I specifically remember Charlie Carter meeting him coming out of the toilet. How are you, Colin? How's it going? And he gave me all the time and when you're only like 19, 20, Charlie Carter was a very big name in hurling and for him to stop and make time for me, I just, I loved him. I loved him before that. You like his kind of all action style and I held it against Brian Cody for a long time. And it took me even a while to warm to Eddie Brennan because Eddie had taken his <laughs> place. Like, I just really like Charlie Carter. So, like, I mean, it's funny listening to him. He's not backing down on his Brian Cody uh, opinion, but he's able to say, look, well, I have admiration for him. Like, I suppose you'd be a bit of, it would be a strange thing to say you don't have admiration for Brian Cody. I wonder,
9: Codron. was was Cody's reputation as such a ruthless operator established at that early stage? You're talking late 90s, 2000s. We all know it now. But yeah. That's like about 20 years on. But, like, part one of about 50 of any ruthless stories well, that Brian thing. Cody has. And that's know.
8: the way I was asking, like an, a lot, lot better players than Charlie, no disrespect to Charlie, like Henry Sheffield and Tommy Walsh. All-time great, like, all time oh yeah. Now, those two are Hall of Famers, yeah, yeah, as yeah. they say, like they go down as all time uh, brilliant. And they got, you know, uh, Similar if not the same treatment Similar stuff Like when you're just On the slide You have to be moved on And that's it Maybe that's the greatness of Cody And we know uh, Jim Gavin Has a similar Ruthless streak in that And when you've loads of players Knocking on the door you have to give them the chance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or they'll get disenfranchised. Do you prefer a talented 22-year-old disenfranchised that's, that's or a 34, or 5-year-old legend? It still obviously
9: had an impact with Charlie like nearly, what, seventeen, sixteen, seventeen 16, 17 years on. Do you know? Because he said like, you don't have to like him. Yeah, <laughs> Do you yeah, know? Which yeah, I yeah. found kind of an interesting insight into the any dressing room. Of course, when you have like 30, 40 players, not everyone's going to like the manager. But it's just it's like when you're so, and you know Brian Cody so well, you just think it's like everything runs smoothly and everybody loves him and stuff. But it just... Like successful dress rooms can work like that. Yeah. N- not but, everybody has to get along.
8: But I it it suppose it is like the Mick O'Dwyer effect when you're a legend like Mick O'Dwyer or Brian Cody, like, you know, me criticising Mick O'Dwyer, even though I've tried to explain it with exact facts of what went on back then. Like, I'm not looked upon favourably by a lot of people because of that. Like, how dare you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And Brian Cody's in that category. How dare you, you little, imbe- you know, yeah, you, yeah. You, you little brat, you in, know? That's in fairness the to
9: those two, there's only probably about five or six managers that are in that category. That are in that category, yeah. And Brian yeah. Cody and yeah, stuff. You picked Sean on Ka- the wrong man.
8: Even look at Sean Kavanaugh criticising Mickey Hart. Yeah. Like Sean Kavanagh has won three All-Irelands. He knows Mickey Hart better than anyone. He's more in a position to crit- critique him than anybody else and he's get, he gets a huge backlash whenever he, you know, criticises Mickey Hart. From like, fellas he played with only yeah. a couple of years ago and yeah. fellas that were on the coaching ticket. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's interesting. It's definitely an interesting dyam- dynamic. So we're back to Liberty Hall in the football show now. Um, we had great crack with Alan Brogan and Jerry Brennan who are really nice and relaxed. Um, they feature twice, they feature in the next part as well. But this is one where we were talking to the two lads and they filled us in on what improved Dublin um, when Pat Gilroy took over,
12: Alan was actually the guy who got the interception. Like, you got a hand to, I think Declan Sullivan's hand pass in the middle of the field, yeah, which led Young, to yeah. Kev McMenamins goal. Like Allen never tackled for years, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but he got Player a Year that year. This year, was it?
15: we used to have a statistician Ray Boyan yeah. and I have to ring him on the on the Monday morning after match. Ray will he stick me down for a few tackles there. <laughs> 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 it'd be like Alan Brogan one tackle Bernard Brogan zero no tackles give him
12: a couple of tackles <laughs> and, 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 and Pat Gilroy and, and uh, to give credit to, to Aidan his team and the own lads in Cork in the year beforehand uh, Pat would have watched the game uh, those previous All-Ireland finals he? and one statistic that he always focused in on or a of play was the tackle counts what is a tackle against football that's always debatable but making contact and stopping the man in possession uh, going towards your goal. And mm. um, when you looked at Aidan's All-Ireland Finals and Cork's the year before, they were getting up towards 100 tackles. We were hitting about 55, maybe 60, so... Um, certainly, Alan Byrne and all the forwards, they all took a good bit of flack, um, whether it was the opposition kick-out or we might have got turned over in the opposition half. It was probably just the norm. We didn't really know any different that you kind of make a kind of tackle yeah, or yeah. a gesture to tackle. But once the lads gone past you you get back into your position away from next ball in so um, we learned quite a bit from uh, what the previous champions did
8: there you go. it seems so simple connor doesn 't it tackle harder and like, <laughs> That's I like mean, all pack royal but to say. even even the introduction of stats because you can 't hide from stats, and that did scare like I do think stats say for example, tackle stats are excellent because mm. there 's no hiding place from that and there 's no Gray in between area. You either tackled or you didn't. Mm. The stats I don't like is giving away possession from a kick pass, for example. That should be encouraged. Yeah. Okay, was it an, was it Risk a, of was, was it a routine kick pass or was it a difficult one over the top? You know, like David Moran to Tommy Walsh in the All Ireland final a, a couple of weeks ago, yeah. over the top. If he didn't execute that properly or got fingertips to it, which Davy Byrne did on the in another play. Dave, Dave, that should not be seen as a negative for Dave Moore, and it was the right option. He tried to execute Absolutely. it, and it just... <clears throat> so I hated the losing possessions through kick passes. That's a stat I don't like. But tackling stats, and Alan and Jer, like have have explained it perfectly. They were on sixty. The good teams were on a hundred. Lads, up that a bit.
9: A hundred tackles in a game sounds actually mad. Like we get we get tackle counts at club level now, and I can tell you we're not getting near sixty or one hundred. I can't actually remember, and I'm not. Dis- I'm not going to disclose it for the sake of all my teammates right. that might be listening. But I know that we were we had a particularly bad game lately, and we were told we read the riot act afterwards, including tactical. Ground, and it was way down. Right. But it does. It, it that, as you said, it does kind of immediately we're like right. That's that's immediately one thing we can we can pick up the yeah. next day. And God Almighty, we better not be anywhere near it. And as you said, there's no. I, I'm the same as you. Um, not to rat on Kieran Tierney or him, but like, remember a few years ago, when it was like, Kieran Tierney got sixty possessions oh, in a see, game. I or think something it was like
8: fifty-two, and everyone's raving yeah, about him against it's, Donegal It's all like they're, they're, its all
9: about quality, yeah. as opposed to quantity. And like, and Kieran Tierney is such a good player, and he—he he used the possession well. Well, but he like, didn't.
8: He used to get a lot of one-twos outside the screen, and they were false to possessions to a certain degree. Yeah, you know, they weren't—they weren't, they weren't one possessions.
9: Yeah, you know. But like, the danger is that like, um, when people kind of go on too much about pass completion stats and possession stats. Is that some players will go out of their way to tick that box oh, yeah. to be made to, to be made to look better, whereas you're not necessarily looking better. You you if you're going to tick that box, you might not take a pass on the next day that you would have that would have been beneficial for the team. Exactly. But that's it you're dead right like tackles there's no, there's no hiding place from tackles and what, what, what uh, Alan, unless
8: you're Alan Rogan and get the well get that Ray Boyd to, to that, dictate the sets. That was a classic Mo, he, that actually didn't happen that was a joke he said to me afterwards. <laughs> but Alan says how they did it as a forward group is they tried to have six tackles in the game each, uh, each and if you're at six that's thirty six just for the forwards, and you know the way backs tackle a little bit more in midfielders. Now you should be getting if the forwards can go can go six each and hit thirty six, midfielders six each. Now you're up to uh, forty eight the defender should be hitting 52, you know? Yeah, like, so yeah, yeah. That was the way they looked at it. So Alan was going out trying to make six tackles. I say he shivered at the thoughts of it. But if he, only, <laughs> if he only made one and somebody else made 12, then he was happy out because Wait, the
9: forward unit is a t- <laughs> total got it. their yeah. like, Say
8: Paul Flynn, you wouldn't <laughs> make a few extra ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. OK, we're going to take another break. But to play us out this time, here's Larry O'Gorman. He was at our live show in Wexford. And this is his rendition of Dancing at the Crossroads. So take it away, Larry.
10: Next one do you? Come on. Well I remember as a young boy at the beginning of September, We were standing at the same ship. for a train, And there it was three to brothers. THEY WERE NOTHING FOR EVERY MOTHER THEY WERE GUNS OF drugs AND OTHERS AND EVERYONE'S JUST THE SAME I'VE BEEN STILL RANDING FORTY FROM YOUR LOSS OF PERTENGORY THEY WERE BUSHING FROM MY the CLODI THEY WERE hearts and CARS AND ALL AND THEY SHOULDN'T BE THE PLATFORM THEY WERE SHOWING AND SCREAMING AS I carry YARI MURPHY he was plenty feet feet tall. So what's the story about story? I we were screaming God for glory? And then he left the cup as lifted. He said, we brought it back for you. We were dancing at crossroads In the shadow of a bonfire Underneath a silver moonlight We were singing until dawn. We were dancing at the crossroads with the Regal Pocus, a and every On the main street They were hanging from the rafters As they sang the boys of Wexford Like it was going out of style All the bingo halls are empty And all the masses Finished early Do you know I never saw a like so Since the time of JFK I'm going to be looking for a door, man.
13: Jim Bernstein, Patty Paul, Clint, Tommy Coe and the and the man named the dream, his name is
10: Ian Griffith, Seamus Callan, Joe Burns, NJ Reckon, all the rest, brave men of 96, and we remember with the best, Record Quigley, Weed, Dawg, Boogie Murphy, Nolan Foote, and an easy camera call.
8: Okay, so we're on to Westport now, Connor. You'll be delighted to know you can uh, too far from home. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a lot of controversy in the hurling championship when Dublin selector Greg Kennedy caught one of TJ Reid's frees. If you remember that, Eamon Fitzmaurice tweeted not long afterwards about some of the dark arts that the mayor Furenas uh, get up to. And I have to say, I was very naive to all this stuff before this kicked Same off. As, like, yep. I mean, it's not something I necessarily noticed. Um, so er, Fitzmaurice tweeted Tony McIntyre was a great man to spot and fill space on an opposition kick out as he slowly withdrew from the pitch disrupting the goalkeeper's appreciation of space J.O. is a good man to drag his backside when required also so we had Tony McIntyre on our live show in Westport and here was his response to that
3: To be fair that was the plan (laughs) 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 Yes. And it, walked. it worked very well. And it worked. Um, to be honest, uh, I can't claim credit for it. Particularly, I can't remember. It's probably Buckley's idea. But the idea so
13: was before the kick out. Well, you're you're
8: giving advice. You a <laughs> indirect, running in and out. You're giving advice just for the kick out, and then you're as slowly as possible kick, walking back on the side you think the kick out is going. Or so. So the keeper
3: stands up and he looks out, and he he doesn't know if it's who's who. He just sees a body. So therefore, that space is empty. Or taken up, as the case might be. So it automatically, because the the keepers nowadays are looking between six and ten seconds for the early kick-out. And particularly Cluxton and people like that are looking for space, widening wings to take over, whatever. So in that case, he looks up, sees a man, that's it, changing mind, headed short in the corner, or whatever the case is, you know. Right. I didn't quite do what the Kilkenny... Selector did. <laughs> I guess
8: away. But, yeah, so, I mean, like, I mean, when did when did you know that Kerry and Dublin have coped on to? You or was, did Fitzmaurice ever say anything to you? Or like, would there be ver- that was just that then on the tweet? Yeah, right. Yeah, so Tony McEntee not pulling any punches explained it really well, and I yeah. like the way he wasn't even taking credit for his job. Maybe it was Donny Buckley's uh, um, dis- decision or whatever. But like, I mean it was just a well-explained admission. Hold his hands yeah. up. I'm not getting into a, an over-and-back with him, Fitzmaurice. He's right. That's what yeah, I was there, doing.
9: There was no thinking about it. It was straight away, hold my hands <laughs> up, I'm, I'm, I'm as guilty as charged. Actually, that him and piece, actually, it was about dark hearts and where foreigners get up to it, but it was a particular insight into Mayo I think because it was before I think it was before the Kerry Donegal game around that time uh, and one of the things that came up was uh, he noticed that when they played a league game in Castle Bar that Jim O'Connor hid behind a TV camera at a kick out oh, yeah. and then it was for a free kick or something like that but it was spotted by Barry John Keane I think who ran down from the bench to tell him so it just goes to and like like you were I was completely naive and then ever since then I've heard of any amount yeah. of dirty tricks that teams are up to not dirty tricks but just kind of tone the line let's say trying to yeah. try and
8: get an edge. but even saw Tommy Griffin doing it for Kerry um, he just ran in for no reason during a break in play before O'Cluxton's kick out and then slowly came back off so like even though it it's been highlighted he talked to no one he yeah. let on that he was too late to get in and then just kind of ran back kind of slowly but even coming back is where Cluxton might have been looking. But like I mean, it it is like that. I have to say, him and Fitzmaurice has been excellent in his examiner piece and incredibly honest since he's since he's. Uh Ended up or finished, yeah. Playing because he was on the Jim Gavin lines, he was kind of copying Jim Gavin, giving nothing away. Peter Keane is just off the charts, do it. <laughs> yeah, he's taking it to a new level. Like altogether. I was thinking, when you know, before the All a fi- Final replay, I might go down to Kerry, and then you don't know what players up. You know, P- Peter Keane's going to be up, and I'm like driving down there to yeah. talk to that lad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So we're back to hurling again, and this is the live show in Wexford. Um, we know Davy Fitz takes no prisoners when he's in a feud he's had many feuds so we had two of the men who he's been feuding with Um, here's Michael Deignan first and then James O'Connor
14: I'm not soft skinned and anyone that's in the media for as long as I am and you were all of us you know you you take the good with the bad you give your opinion that's what I try to do and sometimes there's no
8: harm in a little feud every now and then is there? well there's no there's
14: no harm and uh but what I didn't—the only thing I didn't like about that was the, he sort of implied on the thing that we should we should be replaced as pundits, and we weren't qualified to be pundits. And uh, so my reaction was: I don't interfere with his life. I never I, I don't, I never made a comment to the Wexford County Board about anything to do with his employment. So I know he does it for the love of the game and all that. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> like. like like Mick, like Mick O'Dwyer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mick O'Dwyer. Jeez, I love... Mick O'Dwyer. I love driving. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, water Waterville to Kildare every night. Yeah, right. But anyway, um, so that was the only thing. And it did create a bit of tension. I answered him back on morning and then it got a bit tense. But uh, I met him and it's like, it's like everything. You've and met like, him since this? I did meet him since that, yeah. Uh, puts out, there's always something that puts things in context. And uh, there's a young lad in... Uh, in two-mile house in Kildare, a young lad called Adam Burke, and he, had, uh, he was only 20 years of age, very good footballer. He had a stroke on the field, and uh, he uh, was desperately... Uh, he was lucky to live, but he was very badly um, uh, physically damaged, and there was a huge fundraising appeal. He needed about a million quid to try to help him. And we did a night up there, and uh, Davey was at it, I was at it, Joe Bradley was at it, um, Tomás Shea a couple more and we had a panel discussion like this and I chatted David before and after and look, life is short and we shook hands and we had a chat and Did uh, you
8: bring that up? Did you bring the, but, the argument up? Uh, we had a bit
14: of a chat about it, yeah and, uh, but you know, it was, it was civil and as uh, funny in his book <laughs> the only thing is he, so he left kind of made up with me but he left with a bigger chip in his shoulder about Bradley. because...
10: <laughs> <laughs>
14: <coughs> <'Cause, laughs> Connor Sketches was there that night as well. He, he's at the opening of every envelope, isn't he, and everywhere. But Connor, Connor Moore, Connor Sketches was there, and he did Davy to Davy. Now it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. He did, he did Broly to Broly, and then Davy to Davy. He took out the suitor and the whole lot. Like it was fairly <laughs> close to the ball. Now, so I think, I think he fell out with him that night, and he fell out, and Broly, Broly wasn't very nice to him, and he fell out with him. So he he wrote his book then subsequently. So he kind of said. We're grand again now. You're down
8: the list. I know. I'm
14: grand again now. For the moment, maybe, uh, maybe, after tonight or after Sunday, I could be gone again. But <laughs> what, but what uh, about
8: you, James? Are you down the list or are you still up the list? Because in the book, he said about you in their different ways. But Brian, this is Brian Lohan, and Brian has reason enough over the Lit or the Mary I and UL rivalry. And he says, both Brian and Jamesy have been cutting the back off me since I took over Clare. Why Jamesy especially chose to do that, I don't know. I actually phoned him a couple of times early on in my term as manager to ask him why he seemed to consistently be negative towards my leadership of the team, given I was hardly a wet week in the job. No more than with Loan, I felt I had a great relationship with Jamesy when we're teammates, but he never seemed to warm to the idea of me as Clare Hurling manager. Respond to that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> what a forced question! Lo- lo- <laughs> yeah,
3: nice gentle opener, uh, Woody. Thanks. Yeah. Um, listen, I tell a little story. Um, it was, um, I think, Davy's first league game in charge, and um, Clare had, I think, shipped five goals to Galway in Saltill the, 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 the previous championship, whatever. So I was working, I think, with, I think, it was a ten sport or someone. We were, I was on co-commentary, and um, Clare got the first score, and then someone went right to the middle of the Clare defence and got a goal. And um, there was a break in the play then. Someone got injured, I think, about a minute later or whatever. And, you know, with the monitors there and we we, we cut to the replay of the goal. And I just made a comment that, listen, you'd hope to be one thing that would be addressed this year, the, the difference of frailties of last year. Last year. And um, and after that, clear hurled Limerick off the pitch, right? Conor McGrath was was on fire the same night. Pogginink was playing. And I couldn't have been more effusive of my praise about, you know, it was refreshing how well the lads had, had played. And as we hockeyed Limerick inside in the gaelic Grounds, and um, I was in school on, on, on Monday morning, and um, you know there was a ping at 12 o'clock or something, so there was a text on the phone, and it was a, an unidentified number, and there was a big long spiel about the way I was cutting the back off him, and he'd never cut the back off me, and, and, I, and I was there in my own mind saying, is this actually from him, or is it from when the boy's taking the piss, you know? And um, so I got on with lunch anyway, and I said, I'll ring this number or whatever, and I said to him, did you actually, did you actually see it, did you actually hear what I said? And, um, no, one of the boys in LIT said to me, you were cutting the back off me or whatever? And, you know, <laughs> what, what do you say, Like you know? That, that, um, that wasn't a bad impression there, <laughs> actually.
12: <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> I'll tell you now,
3: don't start taking the piss out of So, me. I'll tell you, yeah, exactly. But, uh, look, so I, I said, listen, it's it's not my style, you know. Surely you know me better than that. I mean, we, we you know, we heard it together, obviously, for, for years. Um, but, as I said, that was, that was that. And we, you know, you, you shake your head and, and and you get off the phone. Um, and after that, Woody, to be honest about it, I mean, OK, I was doing a column for the Sunday Independent, and I was, I thought, fair, and I thought I was honest, and, and I gave my opinion. And I didn't agree, maybe, with some of the, the type of hurling we were playing, where Shane O'Donnell maybe was, you know, a real threat, I thought. And we were playing with a sweeper, and there was an extra defender sitting in front of him, we were hitting the ball out to the corner flag. And I just thought we weren't getting the best use of him. And, yeah. and I gave my opinion, and, you know, obviously, um, you know, he didn't take too well to it. But, like, personally... There's nothing personal about it, and am sure, you know, you know no. that, like, but it's 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 um like I, I haven't actually I'd say spoken to Davey. Um I'd say you count him one hand the number of times I've probably spoken to him in the last the last decade. And uh, again there was there was something in the Sunday Independent, um I, I, I wrote a critical piece maybe after maybe his the last maybe year with Claire or whatever. Um, and again I've just said, look at, you know, maybe need to get Paul Kenner back if we could and we need to maybe get, I don't know, Podge back into the fold or whatever it was. And um, again, I got a text from another different unidentified number. <laughs> and uh, again, I, I kind of rang the number, and, and, and we kind of had a chat, and we agreed, disagreed. But again, he hadn't actually read. No, you know the entire the, the entire piece. You know, so you're you're just shaking your your, your head. Some you like that last bit,
8: um, Connor, at the end that Davey hadn't read the full piece, but just <laughs> yeah, got yeah, filled yeah, in yeah, by yeah. How, many, the how many times <laughs> have you had a comment underneath one of your Joe yeah, yeah. pieces, and? They haven't even read it. But the best then is uh, the
9: comments underneath that when people are like, did you even read the piece? You don't even have to call them out for it.
8: (laughs) Right, right, right. But then would you have people reacting to him not understanding the piece and just reacting to what his comment was and getting a totally uh, distorted view of it? Pretty much there's like all sorts of like
9: Different subcategories that kind of emerged during the comment section. So it's just uh, moderating them can be a particularly trif- uh, tricky exercise.
8: Yeah, that's the online writing life, right? That's what <laughs> pretty you much. Si- that's what you signed up for, right? We're going to finish with this one. This is Alan Brogan and Jer Brennan. Um, you remember this, of course, Connor, very well, because this was in around '06. Um, How oh, could because, I forget? Yeah, exactly. So um, Dublin were into clapping the hill. I thought it was embarrassing to look at. Uh, didn't know where it came from. Here's Alan Brogan and Jerry Brennan filling us in. Alan, you have a chance to defend yourself on the Hill
15: 16 uh, going down to Clapham. Oh, I thought we were going to move on from that. Uh, what did you like, just
12: actually think? Uh, yeah, like, I tell you, I was... Are you I,
15: the interview only yeah,
12: interviewer? <laughs> <laughs> I was working, there's an off-license in uh their heart corner called Sweeney's Wine Merchants and uh, I was only knocking around the training panel at that stage. So when it was in the Championship squad which we're playing against uh, Mayo in that semi-final. And uh, so obviously you worked on serving people, but had the television on in the background as you, as you would. And a bit of messing then in the warm-up. But um, I'd be honest, and I'm sure the lads will agree with me, like, you want the team to do well, but the fellow in your position maybe not to do so so well, so that you can get in. <laughs> um, but I remember kind of watching that and the lads kind of clapping and all that stuff. But uh, I, 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 I never understood it, but I can only assume that it was some sort of psychological thing. Like, that- uh, uh,
15: like you have to remember, we were getting hammered by Tyrone. We were getting hammered by Kerry. We were walking through Leinster. Mm. Maybe not walking through Leinster, but we were winning Leinster well at that stage. And we were coming up against the Tyrones, the Kerrys, and we were getting bet off the park. So we were looking for any angle, any angle we could find that could mm. just, just bring us that bit closer. I don't know, maybe it wasn't even intimidation. I was just trying to get that. Can I get Hill 16, the 16 man, the <laughs> 16th man behind us and see could that make a difference for us? There was no really more to it than that, to be honest with you. Like, I can't... You never
8: like, thought of just, like, that kind of maybe tackle that bit harder or something, you know? What what? <laughs> you know, like what Pat Gilroy thought
15: of. Maybe there was that bit of insecurity in the team at the time. I don't know, but it was... It was like, we were shipping a few big defeats in big games over the course of the three or four years before that. We'd obviously been beaten by Tyrone. That Mayo game, we'd would we so been beaten by Tyrone in 05 when we thought we were ready to make that step up. Um, and Did you feel weird, we were weird doing bullied it? A little bit. We were probably bullied a little bit. I, was, I, I actually started very well in that game and Conor Gormley came on me then. Probably bullied me a little bit in the second half, didn't get that much ball. So for me personally, I was looking for any angle I could find that could maybe just... Make us some more. Yeah, maybe we should have just tackled her. and We never thought of it. <laughs> <us? laughs>
8: like the extra time. Did you feel we were doing it? Were you hiding in the in the uh, car? Were you? Uh, Wheeler was being pulled back by the jersey one time. What well, well, that was the Mayo match, wasn't it? Yeah. Someone was pulling. I, uh, Wheeler was about to climb into he... the hill. Like... <laughs>
15: <laughs> <laughs> he was like the frak. And I feel now I was. Always... No, felt comfortable enough. walking towards Hill Sixteen. Like we were dubs. We loved yeah. Hill Sixteen.
8: Yeah. I'm just thinking. I was saying on the show yesterday. Could you imagine Jim Gavin watching that? Oh, yeah. I'd say yeah. he'd be like, "What the?" F- is going on
15: here? <laughs> <laughs> it was a different time. It was a there different was. time. We there were was. in a completely different position than the team than the team now is, and I suppose we were just looking for any angle we yeah. could. And and like like in fairness, the pillar and that that management team, like we left no stone unturned trying to reach an All Ireland final. And if there's one, like I've said it before, if there was one regret that I'd have over the course of my career, and it's hard for me to have any regrets, it's that we didn't manage to reach an All Ireland final with that team over that period because. Yeah. It was a close group. We put a huge amount of effort in and, and, and we probably deserved. Like that game against Mayo that day is, is obviously a big regret. We should have closed it's that game out games, in hindsight. Yeah. Maybe Toronto, particularly that Mayo. Like that Mayo. I mean, we would have had to play Kerry in the final, so maybe we wouldn't have won the final, but just get into a final at that
8: say would, would have been monkey yeah. off the back first. Yeah so I mentioned Mayo Dublin in 06 uh, Connor, because you had a specific inst- interest in this game obviously being a Mayo diehard, and this came to a head when Mayo went down to the wrong side of the of, if, warmed up in front of the hill mm. and this was the most aggressive clap to the hill we ever saw so Wheelo came out <laughs> and he was being held back and they were all going down and after the clap to the hill then there was the mill at the hill or mm. whatever they called it now that's been well documented but like i mean. I mean I don't know like Alan tried to explain it trying to get any edge but look it's a silly kind of edge to try and get now I kind of understood where he was coming from but at the same time I, neutrals didn't like that Dublin team and could you yeah. blame
9: them it's probably an explanation that would have held a bit more kind of weight a few years ago uh, before the Jim Gavin era and now that Dublin have moved away to such an extent to the extent that they're deliberately avoiding the hill I think that uh, it's it, it just it's just changed completely yeah. but that's it like like while you know Mayo would have been told to warm up I, I'd say Mayo would have been told to warm up at the other end I, I highly doubt that it was just Mayo fans that were delighted to see them warm up at the hill just to kind of who do Dublin think they are kind of yeah. thinking that they own the hill and stuff like that now but,
8: but I have to say that's the thing and I look down at the hill and the All-Ireland um and Kerry have no problem swapping their hill hill tickets I was, it was 90% Dublin Yeah. whereas when they play Mayo it's 50-50 Mayo refused to swap the hill tickets they take the hill off Dublin maybe I'm accused of reading too much into it but I think that's a huge psychological thing to look at hill 16 and it's not Dublin's but Kerry because of tradition I have friends from Kerry saying here do you know anyone from Dublin there I have hills if you'll swap yeah, yeah. This is this is music to like the Kerry lads just don't want to stand on the hill, so they're yeah. giving it. And I think I, I just the hill isn't Dublin's. Don't yeah. give it to them and all hour. Finally, it's the one day of the year where it's a fifty-fifty allocation. Yeah, try
9: and wrestle back any advantage you can yeah. get. Yeah, definitely.
8: But it doesn't listen. That's just the way. Listen, maybe maybe it's not gonna it's not gonna make t- any difference. Too yeah, much difference. I, I, I don't know. I just think I think psychologically. Everyone has a part to play, even supporters. I think
9: it makes for a better atmosphere as well. Like you, you go back to the All Ireland final when Killian Spillane got the goal. It was nearly like it was muted because it was scored oh, yeah. at the hill. It was like a delayed reaction of a couple of seconds while the rest of the stadium kind of caught up. Whereas obviously, if it was split fifty-fifty as it had been before, you know, would have would have been you know, you would have heard the roar just as you would have if if Dublin had scored the goal. Yeah. So it's an interesting one as well,
8: definitely. So listen, we've managed to do a best of the live shows for a whole year and we've end up finishing talking about mayo um, I'm not sure if that's my fault or if it's Connor's fault but uh, give the that's people it. what they want they? <laughs> that's it that's all we have for the live show Should we be back on whatever Thursday or Monday or whenever Connor decides to play this out good luck <laughs>
3: The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour hurling action. And when I started running, I supposed
6: I didn't stop, and when I got the chance to go on, I said I'd stay going. So I opened up. We're only the small little fish out
5: there, so we are, and we're trying hard to make it through, But it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. I
4: love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of for today because like, I'm hard, I'm heartbroken. <laughs>